Our text today is in Luke chapter number 4. We'll be looking at Luke's gospel as we continue our studies about the life of Christ. Luke's gospel chapter number 4 for our text today. It was a few years ago that somebody offered me for the first time a donut. And it was from the place called Paula's Donut. Apparently you heard of it. First thing I noticed, it was about twice as big as a Dunkin' Donut. And it tasted much better than a Dunkin' Donut. And after a couple of times eating those, I decided to stop there myself. So I went a little different route home. I could drive right by the place. So it was. After work one day, I stopped at Paula's Donuts on the way home. There was a long line, so I stood in line, waited my turn. The selection of donuts is impressive. <laughs> Boston cream, white cream, cheese cream, peanut, peanut cream, key lime filled, coconut. And they have these donuts that they're the size of a whole plate. <laughs> and so when you get to choose, there's a lot of choices. Well, the lady who waited on me, let's say she was having a bad day, all right? And she was downright nasty. And she wasn't happy at all for any hesitation on my part while I was trying to make those critical decisions <laughs> of which flavor I should try. And finally, just to fill out the dozen, uh, I said, just give me three of those fried cakes, a plain, unsugared, unfilled donut. And after I paid, I walked out the door. I thought, wow, that was a pretty unpleasant experience. And I'll think twice before I go back to Paula's again. So naturally, on the way home, I decided to get started on the donuts. <laughs> and I decided to grab one of the fried cakes because they weren't quite so messy while you were driving. So I took a bite of that fried cake, and I tasted something I hadn't tasted for years. Come to find out, Paula's Donuts made a fried cake that tasted just like my mother's homemade donuts. A flavor I hadn't experienced for a long time. And it awoke in my memory the days when mom made fried cakes in the kitchen. I was about six years old. I stood on a chair and she let me flip over the donuts that were uh, heating in the grease when they needed turning. Many times I made fried cakes with my mom, and they had a flavor. It was a very good flavor, and I thought, I'll never taste that wonderful flavor again. But driving down the road, I just tasted that delightful flavor again. Paula's fried cakes were just like mom's. It's like a dream come true. And so... I saved one so I could take it home and eat it with a glass of milk to make the experience complete. And I also thought, that nasty lady who waited on me probably saved my life. Because if she'd been a sweet old lady and I had a pleasant experience, I'm sure I would have been by Paula's Donuts every day <laughs> after work just to get those fried cakes. So I did not go to Paul's every day. But when I did, I always got three or four of those plain fried cakes 
The taste which triggered the memories was a very pleasant experience, and I took me back to the happy days in the kitchen with Mom. Now, I'm sure you're wondering what fried case have got to do with Luke chapter 4. Well, let's take a look and see. Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterwards hungered. Jesus, after he was baptized, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And we see how the Holy Spirit works Mark's gospel says that Jesus was driven into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit works like that. He speaks to us. He urges us. He calls us. He pushes us. He pressures us. He drives us, compels us to do God's will. And Jesus, urged and compelled, goes into the wilderness all alone. What did Jesus do? Well, he begins a lifetime habit. And you will notice it as you read through the gospel that Jesus will go alone into the wilderness many times to spend the night in prayer. He loved to pray. He loved to talk with his father and to spend the night in communion with his father right up to the night before he died. When he prayed alone in Gethsemane. And so he is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And I'm sure he was praying. And I'm sure he was amazed. I'm amazed at his prayers. And what he did when he prayed. Uh, You recall the Mount of Transfiguration. He suddenly is full of inner light. And he begins to shine up there on the mountain. Like Moses did when Moses spent 40 days with God. So can you imagine the communion Jesus had with his father? And the best word that I can think of to describe it is ecstasy. But as he prays, there comes alongside of him a darkness, an evil force the devil himself the prince of darkness satan jesus had been in communion with his father for 40 days no food no food needed if you and i went 40 days without food we would die but jesus is sustained and now this evil figure comes to tempt jesus now What is temptation? Define it. Explain what it means to be tempted. Well, if you said to me, Eric, I want to tempt you, so here's a nice hot bowl of cauliflower. (laughs) I would say that's no temptation. First of all, it smells bad, and it tastes worse than it smells. You can't tempt me with cauliflower. I don't want it in the first place. But if you said, Eric, here's a Paula's fry cake. (laughs) I want that. Now you're tempting me. I want the taste. I want the memories. 
I want the thoughts of mom's kissing. Oh, yes. Now you're tempting me. Temptation is to offer a person something that they want. Something that pleases them. Something that goes along with their desire. So the great question we have to answer is this. What does Jesus want? The devil will tempt Jesus, and the devil is no fool. The idea behind temptation is that there is something that you want, and you want it bad enough so that it'll make you do wrong. For you and I, it's often what the Bible calls the pleasures of sin. Sin sounds like fun to us, something we enjoy, but only for a while. It becomes poison and deadly and dangerous. And tempted with it, we fall. Did the devil tempt Jesus to sin? No. Sinning is not something that Jesus wants. It's cauliflower to him. He doesn't want it. So how can Satan tempt Jesus? Well, let me assure you, Satan is very clever. And he thinks he knows what Jesus really wants. So what does Jesus want? Well, at 12 years old, you recall two weeks ago, it was to be about his father's business. Now at 30 years old, it's also to be about his father's business. And what does Jesus want? Well, he said it over and over again. He said it to Peter and he said it to Andrew. He said it to James and John by the Sea of Galilee. He said it to Matthew in his tax collector's booth. He said it to the crowds who came to hear him. Just two words. Follow me. Follow me. He says it to us here today. Follow me. That's what Jesus wants. Now watch this, verse 2. Being 40 days tempted of the devil, in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterwards hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, some people think Jesus was hungry. Matter of fact, he's starving. So Satan said, turn this stone into bread and eat it and fulfill your hunger. No, that's not it. Jesus never did things for himself. He came to serve others. No, but there is something else. It is very clever. It is insightful on the part of Satan. Satan's proposal is this. If you want people to follow you, take this stone, turn it into bread. And they'll follow you by the thousands. And Satan was right. Do you remember the time that Jesus fed 5,000 people with five little dinner uh, rolls and two dried fish? Everyone ate until they were full. And then they collected 12 baskets of leftovers. 
And do you remember what the crowd said that day after their bellies were full? They all got together and they said, let's take Jesus and we'll force him to be our king. We want a king who will feed us every day, so we will take Jesus by force. And that day Jesus slipped away and went off by himself into the wilderness. Why? He didn't want to be a bread king. And Satan says, make stones into bread and they'll follow you. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. Because people are starving in their souls. People desperately need to feed their inner man. I will not be a bread king. I choose to be the king of their hearts and their soul. Temptation failure. Jesus won Satan zero. Let's look at number two, verse five. The devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Well, Satan shows Jesus and says, all the kingdoms of the world. And Satan says, these are mine. These are mine. And I can do whatever I want with them. So let's think about this, my friends. I thought God owned the world. The psalmist says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all who dwell therein. So why does Satan say he owns the world? Well, this world operates on what I would call certain systems. Systems that Satan has put in place. For example, greed and selfishness is one of Satan's systems. And a lot of the world runs on that system. A desire for power is another one of Satan's systems. Power to be in control, to run things. And from Albany to Washington, D.C., we see Satan's system in full swing. Power and a lust for it. Satan sponsors it, and he'll give it to anyone who desires it. It's his system. He has other systems. System of entertainment. System of addictions. All Satan's systems. And the world operates on these systems. Satan tells Jesus... I control all these systems and I'll turn them over to you if you worship me, bow down to me, and I'll give you the whole world and they will follow you. What is Satan offering? Jesus, lower your standards. Forget about holiness. Forget about sin. 
Let me be in charge and lower your standards and the whole world will follow you just like they do me. And Jesus says, your system are of no interest to me. God and God alone will have a kingdom. The kingdom of love and righteousness is what he will establish. Temptation, failure. Jesus two, Satan zero. Now we come to number three, verse number nine. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. In their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all temptation, he departed from him for a season. Satan takes Jesus to the temple. And there are high points up on the top of the temple, up on the roof, pinnacles. And Jesus is standing on one of those high points way up in the air. Down below or all around him there's people. Who knows? Hundreds of people? Maybe thousands. Remember it was 27 acres. And Satan says, look at all those people down there. If you want them to follow you, jump! Jump! Jump off this high point. And you say, I think Satan's going crazy. Jump off? Yes. Satan explains. Your Bible says he'll give his angels charge over you and you can't be hurt. You can't even stub your toe on a rock. So jump! And float down through the air down to all those people. When they see you floating down through the air, they'll say, look, Jesus is floating down. It's a miracle. And they'll gather around you and embrace you and follow you wherever you go. Do a miracle, jump, and you'll win their hearts. Jesus replies, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now what does that mean? Well, basically, it means this. Jesus, I'll follow you if you do this for me. I knew a man once, and he said to me many times, I come to church because there are certain things I want from God. I come to get what I want. My friends... Don't tempt God. Don't say, okay, God, let's make a deal. That's not what Jesus wants. So miracles are not what Jesus wants us to be chasing him for and to be after. We follow him because we love him, not for what we can get from him. No, says Jesus, I'm not going to jump and float down to a cheering crowd, Jesus three, Satan zero. 
It is true. Is it true? That Jesus wants people to follow him? Yes. Thousand times yes. Yes, he wants to establish a kingdom. Yes, he taught us to pray and say what? Thy kingdom come. Satan offered Jesus three shortcuts, three ways to get followers. Feed them every day. Give them the bread and be a bread king. Lower the standards and everybody will follow you. By the way, I've seen full churches because of lower standards. Or promise a miracle. I've seen full churches because of that. But Jesus would not accept any of those shortcuts. Verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. He was going to go out and to preach and to teach and to explain. And he's going to do it God's way. He chose to do God's will in God's way. And what that meant is you're going to take a road that goes to a cross and you're going to suffer on that cross. You're going to be rejected of men. You're going to lay down your life and you're going to die. And that was the way he chose. God's way. No shortcut. The long, hard road. Listen to the explanation, though, that Hebrews gives us in chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He willingly paid the price for our sins so that in future he could enjoy a day when seated at God's right hand he can say to us all who believe in him, welcome home, welcome home. I've been waiting. My friends, Jesus went out from Satan's temptation with the power of the Spirit resting on him, saying to his heavenly Father, I'm going to do it your way. They will follow me, not because of bread or miracles. I will not lower any standards, but the Old Testament standard still stands. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. Him only shalt thou serve. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and all thy strength. My friends, I thank God for my daily bread that he so freely supplies but I will not follow him for a miracle or for any power, but for love for the one who paid the price for my sin and loved me and gave himself for me. And to Jesus I say, yes, I will follow you. Come with me. My friends, will you join me? Will you follow with me? I pray we will follow all the way. No shortcuts, but do it Jesus' way. And come out victorious in the end. Jesus, led by the Spirit, brushed off the temptation because he wanted a blood-bought church, 
a people who unite together to do his will. He wanted people to love him for who he was and not for what we could get out of it. And he stands and calls us still, come, follow me. May God bless you as you choose to do it God's way. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the instructions your word gives. Thank you that it was on your heart not to do any shortcut, not to cut any uh, other way, but to go the way God wanted and for it to take you to a cross. And we're sorry for that. And we ask that you'll help us now to take up our cross and follow you and do what you ask us to do. Bless us, we pray. As we try to do your will, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. In closing, we could turn your hymn books, hymn number 107. Hymn number 107, standing as we sing, hymn number 107. Jesus calls us or the tomb. Standing as we sing. Page 107. things your way, not to do it our way, not to go the way of the world, not to seek after sin that so easily sets us off of the track of what you want us to do, but learn from the temptation of Jesus to do things patiently and as God would have us to do it, how God wants us to have our lives. May you show us and teach us that kindness and that patience 
that comes only from having Jesus in our lives. And we pray especially that we would turn our hearts and follow you wherever you call us. Whatever difficulties, hardships, good things, and bad that comes through our lives, we pray that we would stand up and follow you through it because of the love we have for you. Thank you for your kindness to us and that you have made that great sacrifice for us. Forgive us, we pray. Help us to stand back up where we have faltered and go on and follow you. We ask for protection for all of these people. Bring them back safe to this place. We thank you for all the love you have for all of us in your name.